Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K. Today, we're joined by someone who's shameless. Please welcome someone who's fought in Bellator and UFC, Don Shainis. How are you, Don? What's up, John? How are you? Good. My first question for you is, you fought in Bellator and the UFC. Who runs mm-hmm. the show better? Who do you enjoy fighting for more? Uh, I, I fought in, in Bellator in like two different stages of my career, right? So when I first started to be- uh, got into Bellator, it was a like prelim card. It, it was like, um, I think they were just trying to fill the card with local fighters. So I was from New England and uh, the, the card happened to be in Connecticut. So I sold a lot of tickets, so they did like me. But as far as everything goes, um, Bellator wasn't really like, trying to promote me or push me or anything like that. It was just one fight deals with the UFC that they really went above and beyond, you know, with the merchandise and the, the everything about the UFC being able to travel. Everything was awesome, but don't get me wrong. Bellator was awesome too. And, uh, shit, I'm a free agent right now, but I might, I might jump back to Bellator. So where would you go? Because would you, would you want to go to something like local North America? Um, or would you even consider going to like one champ seeing that that's going crazy right now? Uh, I'm open to whatever, you know, don't get me wrong. I was just released from the UFC. I'd love to get back to the UFC. Uh, I do have a fight July 22nd for Cage Titans, which is a much more regional or local promotion, at least for me, you know, get back in there, get get uh, get a fighting win again. I haven't won in, in uh, almost a year now. So it's been one of those things where it's just like, let, let's shake the rust off. Let's fucking not hang my head, you know, pick myself up and fucking get the ball rolling again. Yeah, 100%, Don. Um, so I think you were champ at Cage at Titans. Is that true? Yeah, so I was a champion at 145 at Cage Titans. I was the FAC 155 champion. And uh, who knows? I'm going to fight for Cage Titans July 22nd, and then maybe I'll jump over to LFA. Maybe I'll jump over to CES, Combat FC, uh, Fury, ccfc or whatever they are whatever acronym they are um i look i, I want to get this win in and then i want to start thinking about like regaining snagging all these belts as many belts as i can until i get snagged up by a big promotion again yeah um the ufc will have no choice to bring you back if if you do that something like that because your your only losses are to jack jenkins who's on the rise and who I believe he has like two losses, but his losses were at the start of his career. So he's on a ridiculous streak. And Sadiq Yusuf, who's currently ranked in the UFC. So um, I, I don't see I don't see a problem with uh, them bringing you back in the next year if you smash it. Hey, that, that's the game plan. You know, if I keep winning fights, there, there's no reason why they shouldn't take me back. I'm going to say this, like, as far as the Sadiq Yusuf fight, I was completely set up for failure, super short notice. Uh, and even the Jack Jenkins fights, there were so many things that like went on behind the scenes in my personal life that interfered with my training camp. I had to move cross country. Um, I had to change gyms, coaches, all mid training camp. Now those aren't excuses, but I definitely feel like I didn't, I didn't perform my best in that Jack Jenkins fight. And don't get me wrong, Jack's an awesome dude and he's a dog. But uh, I would have liked to see a better version of me out there. We still put on a fight of the night contender, you know, fight. Like, like that fight was fight of the night up until Vulcan Islam fought. But uh, 
I still don't feel like that was the best version of me. I, I love that fight. That fight was that fight was amazing. So uh, congratulations on a good showing, but at least it was unfortunate that you didn't get the result that you wanted. Martin Nguyen, who's a one champ, featherweight and lightweight former champion. I was talking to him and mm-hmm. I asked him, seeing that MMA has so many different attributes and components to it, um, what is his favorite division across the board to view as a fan? So I was bringing up Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA, and jiu-jitsu. If you were to watch one division, which one would you pick? Uh, probably 155ers, definitely lightweights. And the reason is, is they're so fucking big and strong and so athletic and so skillful where they're right smack in the middle of all the weight classes. So as you branch out from 155, you got 145, 170. Then you got 135, 185. Then you got uh, 125 light heavyweight and heavyweight. Like the further you get away from that, like 155, 170 range where the average human is, um, the skill level goes down. So seeing the guys at 155, you know, it's kind of crazy to see those guys compete especially knowing that the 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 good ones walk around about a buck 90 to make weight so seeing like almost guys the size of middle linebackers in in football compete at 155 pounds is fucking mind-blowing to me what was it like going to perth what did you think about perth oh okay so as far as the flight goes so i'm from boston i uh i flew from boston la LA to Sydney and then Sydney to Perth and um getting off in Sydney and and then in, in uh Perth you know the the plane door opens and you're like oh my god this is what fresh air smells like like first and foremost I was blown away with how clean everything was and like going to the air so it was dead winter when when we fought in uh in Australia back home but I'm assuming in Australia it was summertime because it was gorgeous out. I didn't see one lick of rain. Uh, I thought Perth was absolutely beautiful. The beaches were unreal. Everyone was super friendly. Um, Obviously, I was there to do a job, but uh, I spent about a month in Australia just not so much sightseeing and shit like that, but like just enjoying the culture. You know, two weeks to get acclimated to the time zone getting up. I didn't want that, that heavy stress of flying very close to the fight. So I flew out, I think on the first, my fight was at 12. So just under two weeks. And, um, what we were doing was we were waking up at two in the morning, working out at three, then, uh, four o'clock would be done, go shower, walk down the street, grab a cup of coffee. And, and like the, the weather was just unbelievable. And it was like, no, like the world wasn't alive yet at, at those hours in, in Perth. So it was, it was kind of like, um, the best thing ever because on I was staying true to this time zone, but in order to fight, like we were competing at eight o'clock in the morning or eight, I think my fight ended up being at like eight thirty in the morning, but we had to get to the venue at five thirty in the morning. I don't want to be acclimated to Australian time, waking up at 10, then having to wake up at five, but you know, being able to stay on that East coast time and fly on over, deload from the stress of the flight and all that. And, and, really really opened my eyes and and i was able to like see some of the culture see dude you guys got fucking artwork everywhere and it's unbelievable it's like there's graffiti everywhere and and like it's all like well done by artists and and then like every alleyway was super clean like 
walking down the street in Boston, it's one of those things like you see a sketchy alley, you, you don't really go down it, but uh, that's where drunk people go take piss in like late night. But like two, three in the morning in Perth, like these alleyways like turn into like little nook and cranny shops selling cards or sneakers or or this or that, and it's like I got I did a lot of window shopping out there, you know to mention about that graffiti stuff so in where i'm from in richmond randomly i was walking down the street and people don't know mma and ufc in australia like that yet mm -hmm. and um they had just this massive memorial of israel adesanya i'm like dude what he's new zealand he's from new zealand and he's originally nigerian why do you have in australia a massive uh graffiti like this huge wall of israel adesanya anyways so in Perth, you mentioned how nice everybody was. The mm -hmm. the word that we kind of describe Australians, I would say they're just all chill. They're all chill. Yeah, they're super another, chill. Yeah, another another chill guy is someone that you, you thought we mentioned, Jack Jenkins. Now, people said that he broke your leg with his leg kicks. What do you think about his leg kicks? Is that bogus? What do you think? Uh, his leg kicks sucked. Um my game plan was to take him down, and um, after the first leg kick, my leg was compromised. My leg wasn't broken by any means. Uh, it definitely swelled up, and uh, but you don't want to take too many of those, and it just takes one to, to fuck your leg up. And, and it's like a very low-effort, high-reward move, and he landed one at a perfect time. Um, it, it is what it is. It's a fight. Shit, anything can happen. So it's like, you know... Who who knows what would have happened um, if we didn't get broken up on that groin shot? I I I don't believe the first strike was a groin shot because uh, we I had him against the cage and it got separated due to a groin shot. So it's one of those things where it got broken up and then he landed a, a really big calf kick which compromised me and it and it threw me off my range about an inch inch and a half just far enough to where I couldn't get in on him and, and from there he just pulled away slowly and slowly more and more each round. Do you want to get that win back? Ah, dude, I, I don't give a shit, man. Like, I'm I'm already on to the next one. You know, like, ultimately that win cost me my job. So I need to do everything I can to get my job back. That means I got to keep, go back, win win some fights, keep winning, get get another uh, big swing of momentum, rack up, rack up some wins. And uh, whether it be the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, PFL, whatever, fucking bring it all on. People are saying that Max Holloway versus Korean Zombie is a mismatch. So seeing that they're two legends of the sport and in your division, I want to ask you what you think of that. Uh, as far as it being a mismatch, what I think about the fight, what like, like what regards, like I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh yeah, damn, that's a mismatch. But like, dude, it's still a fucking fight. It's yeah. still a fight. I, 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 Anything I completely can agree. I just feel like it's um, we've had Korean and Max for so many years when Max had the belt and they could have had that fight when both of them were contenders and around about the same rank. But now Korean is at the latter part of his career and Max is looking like he's having a second wave in his career and the only person he's losing to is Volk. So I'm just concerned that the UFC is feeding um, – Korean to Max to be like, oh look, look, look how look how good Max Holloway is again, and and Korean takes on way too much damage when they could have put him up against a um, maybe an up and comer or 
or done a massive event for him in um, Korea or something. See, here's the thing. I, I, I actually don't hate this fight, right? Because to me, personally, I think Max and Volk are light years ahead of the rest of the division. I think they are so far away from the rest of the division that, look, we're, we're going to find out what happens ver- uh, with Yair and um, Volk in a couple weeks. We're going to find out what happens with Max and uh, the Korean Zombie in a, in a little bit more time. That That's a little bit further down the line, if I believe. But uh, they still need guys to fight. And they're, the two of them have pretty much wiped out the division. And Max is doing a really good job of taking out everyone that can potentially get him that could potentially get a, a title shot. So it's like, if you look at Yair versus Josh Emmett, they fought on that card too. Winner fall balk. You know, didn't Max fight Yair? Am I not mistaken? Yes, yes, he did. He won a, I uh, believe it was like a close decision against Yair. Was two, he won three of the uh, five rounds. So Yair won two. You know, it, you you don't know what's going to happen with Volk and uh, Yair. Yair can pull away. Yair's so smooth and flashy and, and and I don't want to say awkward, but like he is just something fucking else. And, and you know, Max a volume guy, Volk's a power guy. You, you don't know, like fight math never makes sense. So you, I don't hate the move. Plus Max needs someone to fight. So fuck it, dude. They, they both haven't fought each other. Like might as well run it. Who else is Max going to fight? Yeah. I, I was even thinking like, I know this is bad to say, but even a Brian Ortega rematch, that's what I was thinking was probably the best play to do. But Well, isn't Brian Ortega coming off an injury right now? Yes, yes, he is. But he's he's hoping to get uh, back in there. So you would have to you would have to make Max wait out. So I, I, I understand that. Max ain't gonna wait, dude. He he's a fucking dog. He's one of the baddest motherfuckers in the world. Like, who knows? He might even go back up to fifty five and start fighting those guys. Yeah, I was I was talking about that with my brother, and I was thinking I would love to see uh, Charles Oliveira two with uh, with Max because Charles, I know I know he's going to fight for for the belt in October most likely, but if if he loses that match, um, I I see them doing that Max Holloway um, Charles Oliveira fight again to give Charles and Max an opportunity to. Um, run that back there would be in awkward positions both of them i um i wouldn't mind seeing max v dustin again even though even though that um dustin kind of shut him out their second fight and submitted mm-hmm. him the first one i just think that it's the smart play to do for max because if you give him the opportunity to put on weight actually go to lightweight and do it as a permanent move then it's a it's a much more um it's a much more fair fight in general or him against Gaethje would be insane. I, I don't think it's it's a size thing with Max. I think it's a frame thing. Look look at Max's frame. He's tall and long. He's not big. If you look at fucking Poirier, he's fucking huge. He is he's huge. He's five. What was that? He he weighs one eighty five out of camp. Uh, I'm sure he weighs heavier than that. I I wouldn't be surprised if he was a buck ninety five. You know, I would not be surprised. He is fucking huge, and he looks huge in all his fights. And, and like, I mean, I mean, lean and huge. You know, I think it's it's a frame thing. Like, like I'm not saying like Max has skinny bones or anything like that. Is yeah. I I just 
I don't know. Yeah. Who, like, now we got to talk about fucking Poirier versus Gaethje because they're fighting again. Now, does the winner of that fight Islam? Because Charles lost to Islam, just just smoked Darius. Like, how does that all play out? Um, I would say that due to the fact that that Justin and Dustin, they they might wait out, but I think that because because it's going to be such a fast turnaround, and because it's actually Makachev, it's going to be such a difficult fight to prepare for. They wouldn't want to do that. Uh, immediately so i believe it's going to be charles v him two in october and yeah it puts the division in a in in an interesting spot i think this is the best time to watch watch lightweight like i know i know that i know i know that khabib khabib was around everyone's like oh yeah we love khabib but the problem with that is that on a real note the fact that dustin got an interim belt and justin got an interim belt it was um it was not as often that the lightweight title was on the line. We're talking about 2023, February, you're on that card. Islam's fighting Volk. The division's moving quick, and that's why I like it so much now. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the 135 division? Boston's fucking stacked. Dude, you got um, you got O'Malley versus fucking Aljo. You got Cejudo versus Vera. Vera already beat um, O'Malley. Now, if O'Malley beats Sterling, does he fight... Um, um, Chido Vera, or does the winner of that fight the winner of of the Aljo? Like, dude, there's so much. Plus, you got uh, Song Yudong versus Rob Font. Like, dude, that that I feel like that card alone is playing out the whole top ten in the uh, or the at least the top five or six in the uh, one thirty five pound division. So, so many different things are gonna happen, and Marab's not even on the card. You know what I mean? Oh, no. With the exception of Marab, it's just fucking everyone. It's going to be nuts. I've got a question for you about 135. So, Corey Sandhagen versus Umar Namagomedov. What do you think about that fight? Umar, it looks like a beast. His striking is unusually good. Like, Mm -hmm. I I was thinking that he was a a grappler base and had decent striking like someone like Khabib. But when I started seeing him do these weird chambered kicks, these weird question mark kicks, these crazy Taekwondo things, I was like, I was like, my God, this is a a champion that I'm watching right now. And I was like, someone's going to have a severe problem with him. And a man for the job that could beat him is Corey. Corey's on that level. So Mm -hmm. to be honest, the first pick, the MMA community, someone like MMA Guru, was saying Corey is the original pick. But I was just leaning towards Umar. I'm like, you can't stop that guy. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I, I don't want to be mixing these guys up. Um, but to me, isn't Umar have the same type of body frame as uh, Pudian? Yeah, I would say so. They're same height, basically. but but Same where... height, same, same build, really, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, I I don't know because Sandhagen's got that tall ass, lanky, long, and he's super technical, dude. I, I what's just popping in my mind right now is that knee he fucking threw on Frankie Edgar. They're like, oh my god, but um, I don't know. I I seen Pewter Jan beat up uh, Sandhagen pretty good. Fuck, I don't know, dude. Sandhagen's so fucking good. I don't know. Uh, I can't wait to see it. When is that? 
Oh, that, that fight's August 5th. Oh, so that's a week before Boston. So that's yeah. going to play out way before the rest of the division plays out. Yeah, yeah. I um, I love that They're fight. They're all in the I, same timeline. I, I love I love seeing undefeated uh, fighters. Um, I, I do have to say that <clears throat> someone like you mentioned that flying knee with Corey Sandhagen. Corey lands that against smaller fighters. For example, mm-hmm. someone who's just a little bit taller was TJ Dillashaw. And Corey, through a flying knee, landed in the first round and caught him in a triangle midair. Have you seen that clip? Uh, I don't think so, no. Yeah, Corey, Corey threw, a, threw a flying knee, landed it, and as he was falling, he went, he went over the top of him. He was falling backwards. He wrapped his legs around him and got a triangle on TJ. Yeah, Corey Sandhagen's so fucking good, dude. He, yeah, he's a TJ's beast. done, right? He's done. Yeah, after that shoulder injury, unfortunately TJ's gone. But what do you think what about him? Uh, yeah, he, he's a great fighter. But what do you think about him and uh, all the EPO stuff? What do you think about that, dude? I'm not gonna judge, man. It's like we put our bodies through fucking hell, and, and like I've never done a steroid or an illegal uh, performance enhancing drug in my life. But like, dude, it gets to a point where it's like there's so much wear and tear in your body. It's like I I can't be mad at that now. I do think that it's fucking cheating if you're taking performance enhancing drugs going into a competition, but like, or if you're using those to, to cut weight. But on the other end too, it's like, if you're just doing it to get back to healthy, you know, I'm torn, you know? Yeah. People. Torn. Like, cause I think steroids are like, that should be illegal. You know, I think, um, Things to help you recover to train more, like there's a, a time and a place for that, and and that time and place was twenty fucking years ago. You know what I mean? So I, I don't see it, it moving forward. I, I don't judge the guy. I don't fucking care. It's not my problem. Yeah, um, you're talking about the wear and tear that a fighter has. I want to ask you about what do you think as in your career as an MMA fighter? What do you think the biggest challenge is? Oh, I like, dude, you, you, like, I can tell you a million injuries I've had. You know what I mean? Just, just like, uh, I blew out my knee wrestling. Um, fucking had a, uh, got kneed in the chest during training, collapsed my lung. Fucking broke my hand a few times, broke my nose. I broke my neck. People are like, oh my God, you broke your neck. I'm like, I broke my fucking neck. That set me back over a year. How'd you um, break your neck? I broke it in a fight. Jesus. Yeah, I uh, I shattered my vertebrae, ruptured my disc, pinched a nerve. That that required surgery. Um, like I, I've had a lot of like little surgeries too. I bit through my lip. I've I've had stitches in my eye. Um, yeah, man. And like, dude, there's so much wear and tear in your body, and it's like, I don't know. Like the older I get, the the less I hate. Like the le- the more I like the idea of recovering more. You know, knowing that you have that you could sustain such injuries. How do you prepare mentally for that? Fuck, dude, it's war, dude. You could die. You shit me. Um, it's kill or be killed. Like, like, dude, it, you gotta treat it like life and death. You know, um. That's the way I treat it. I know that there's different mindsets going into a fight. And I've I've had convers- like some pretty deep conversations with a lot of brilliant minds in this game. And uh, 
you know, a lot of people go in there to win, right? Like, oh, I don't want to hurt the guy. I want to win. Like, well, my mindset's a little bit different. I'm trying to fucking kill you. <laughs> and, and like, you try and win your game. I'm trying to fucking kill you, you know? Like, and then there's levels even beyond that, you know, where, or not, not that deep, you know? So it, it all depends on who you are as a person and your mindset going in. To me, it's kill or be killed. Like, fuck you, me first. Like, I don't want to die. I don't want to break my arm. I want to fucking get the fuck out of there, you know? And I want to cause you bodily harm. I'm trying to shave years off your life. So trying to cause you brain damage. So it, it's one of those things where this sport is so unforgiving. Um, To me, it's kill or be killed. Particular attributes in MMA. I like your striking. What do right. you think in your game, in particular, Don Shanus's game, what do you think that you do better than anyone else? And if it is just a certain technique or if it's, a particular component of of MMA, what do you think you do better than others? So obviously I'm not the tallest guy. So although I do feel like my striking is efficient, I, I feel like it's a little bit awkward because I've always been I've always been the shorter guy. So for me, where I see I excel and I I surpass a lot of my opponents at is uh primarily closing the distance and ground and pound while changing levels, and also cardio. So one of my best attributes is I don't, like, when I'm competing, I don't get tired. I figure out a way to train to where I no longer get tired. Not in fighting, right? Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be compromised. Granted, I've been compromised in, I think, two or three fights. And um, that is what it is. Like, it's going to suck. You're going to have to deal with that. But... As far as a cardio standpoint, like if I can push longer and harder than the next guy, like a lot of the times people end up quitting on themselves and I'm just so stubborn and, and I refuse to quit. Uh, but from a skill point perspective, I feel like my ground and pound and my pressure is where I pull ahead of the herd. That's cool. That's cool. I like to, I like to know stuff like that because then when um, you're breaking down fights, you know where people are, are better at. I was just watching... Um, Benson Henderson's fights the other night, and I mm -hmm. saw how versatile of a fighter he is. Um, I know a random question to bring him up, but that's just one of my fan favorite fighters. Mm -hmm. What do you think about his skills? And is that is that a type of fighter that people should study get if they need to get into the sport? To me, Benson Henderson is so fucking cool. Do you know he fought with a toothpick in a, in of his course. mouth for all of his course. fights? Of he course, I know. like that guy is just so cool. I remember walking by him. I am in, and this is years and years ago. He was fighting. I can't remember who he was fighting. I believe I was cornering a teammate of mine in the UFC. I was still an amateur at the time too, and I remember seeing him behind the scenes. I'm like, "Fuck, that's Benson Henderson." I'm like, he just seemed fucking cool. Um. That, that's like when you bring up his name, like that's the first thing that popped in my mind. He had the fucking hair and I'm like, that guy's just fucking cool. But the way he moved, you could tell from the way he competed, he was so well-rounded. It's so tough, so fucking tough, you know, yeah. and, and that that's another thing too. It's like the sport's evolving so much that you're getting these freak athletes starting at such a young age where it's like. People forget, like, yo, it's still a fight. Like, you need to be a certain level of tough 
to be able to bite down. You know, how many times have you seen someone just check out mentally mid fight? Yeah, hundred from a fan perspective, where you could tell the fight's over, like, oh, this guy's fucking tired, and this guy's not. Like, you don't know how big of an advantage that is. Like, fuck, I got one more round, or let's fucking go one more round. Like, there's different mindsets behind that. So, just where someone checked out recently, Irina Aldana versus uh, Amanda Nunes. I was, Mm -hmm. I thought, I thought Irina was going to get in there, KO her first round, second round. Like, Amanda was going to be slow. And Arena was just that next level of accuracy. Then she gets in there. First round's decent. She lands a good punch. The whole fight, Irina can't do anything. And I'm like, go. I'm like, like, come on, let's get this done. I'm like, go. Because I was like rooting for her. And Amanda just shut her off. That was a mental checkout. That fight happens again. Irina can knock her out. But, but it won't because she's retired. But I'm saying she checked out during that fight. What did you think about that fight? Oh, I didn't watch it. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you another one then. So with Leon Edwards versus Usman in the second fight where he head kicked him. Okay. Every round that Usman beat him in, Leon started the next round. That thirty second window, he started that next round with "I'm coming after you to finish you." And mm-hmm. Usman said that was the most challenging part of of the fight. Not even the fact that that Leon won the first round or maybe he won the second round. It was the fact that every single round, he would come in there with uber confidence, like, oh, no, you're done. You're in here with me. And because of that, it eventually led to the head kick. But it just goes to show you the difference in how, how um, because at the end of the day, fighters are just human, how, how somebody else being that confident and that dominance, dominant will put someone else in an uncomfortable position. Well, well, that's the thing, right? Like, what separates the champion from the number one contender? Like, let's remove wins and losses. Like, what separates the champion from the number one contender? What separates the number one contender from the top five? What separates the top five from the top ten? What separates the top ten from the top fifteen? It, because when you get up there in skill... Right, the, the the bars get pushed closer and closer. Like they, everything's so much more competitive. The only thing that's different, maybe skill set wise, is mental. Yes, a hundred percent. Like I, I, I want to bring up Volk because that's your division. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've never seen a mentality like Volk. I've never seen it. It's that, it's that um, immigrant dog mentality that a lot of Australians have. And most likely you'll see that in the next five years because Volk has started it and now people are going to go, if Volk can do it, I can do it. It's that he comes from a um, Mediterranean, Macedonian and Greek background. He's got that He's got that w- hard work, I will never stop mentality, never die mentality. He gets in there. I seriously can't believe that everyone told him, every single person told him, Islam's going to submit you, Islam's going to do this to you. It's a high weight class. You're dumb for doing it. Like, you know, it's a fun yeah, fight. You know what he said? He said, fuck you, watch. He said, he said, he said, oh, you guys don't know how good I am. Oh, oh, like, like he was, he was taunting in mid-fight and, sa- and talking to him and saying, like, I'm too good. He was telling Islam, I'm too good for you. Yeah, while he had his back taken. <laughs> well, dude, he's playing mind games, you know? It's like, that's what separates the goods from the greats. It's all mentality. It's all mentality, you know? It's like, 
How many times have you seen someone get hit with a shot and they showed their cards? You know? Yeah. How deep was that fucking... Okay, perfect example of how tough Volk is. Uh, to, to, to back what you're saying, look at Volk versus Brian Ortega. Volk's dominating the fight. Gets fucking dropped with a straight, uh, maybe right or left. I'm not sure what stance Ortega was in. Drops him, jumps guillotine, and fucking gets mounted. How the fuck did he get out of that? I don't know. That would finish anyone. That would, fin- that would finish any fighter on the planet. I'm, I'm, I would put I would put all my chips that that would finish any fighter if it wasn't Volk. Yeah. He he sat yeah. there he sat there in a in a full guillotine and waited and waited and kicked and kicked and kept kicking trying to pump blood to his to his neck. He was oh, kicking for his life and and the second that one dude Brian Ortega even said it. He said he said that I believed, I 100% believed that I'd won that fight. Before mm-hmm. before he thought the tap was inevitable or he was going to pass out. Yeah. Uh, dude, you when you look at it, if you were to rewatch that fight right now without the knowledge of knowing what happens next, I'd say the same fucking thing every time. Yeah, that's no, that mentality you're talking champion about. Champion mentality. Yeah. Champion mentality is insane. I want to ask you, moving on to bare knuckle. I believe I believe Fabricio Verdum versus JDS is happening in a bare knuckle MMA fight or something. And I I personally I like bare knuckle boxing so one guy that i really like is justin gaethje fought a guy named louis polomino who's a peruvian dude he's got like seven belts in bare knuckle he is undefeated in bare knuckle he's um he's a beast he's fighting uh i think either tomorrow or the or or day after i i enjoy watching those fights what do you think about bare knuckle boxing um i'm not super big into it i've seen a couple of their fights uh, I love the fact that the rounds are two minutes long because it's exactly what you want to market to your everyday viewer, right? So with MMA, you're going to get far more skill or, excuse me, your everyday consumer, right? MMA, the rounds are five minutes. It's going to require so much more cardio. Um, there there are cuts, but you're, you're not dealing with knuckles, so there's less cuts. And, and you're dealing w- with a niche audience, right? With bare knuckle, the rounds are two minutes long, and you need far less cardio. So, how long are the are the fights? Three, five rounds, somewhere yeah, in between. They're five, they're they five kind of run like boxing, right? Ten minute fight. Yeah. So it's like, all right, each round's two minutes long. It's like, all right, what what do you get? Like when you shorten the duration of the rounds, it means there's going to be far more action, right? So, for perfect examples, like if you have a hundred percent to give. In five minutes, you need to use your energy accordingly. When you have 100% to give for two minutes, you need to use your energy accordingly. You need to work way harder in those two minutes than you do in that five minutes. But the five minutes is going to suck longer, if that if that makes any sense. So it's like you get these guys with these short bursts of energy that just fucking knock each other the fuck out. And, and like the cuts are gnarly in bare knuckle boxing. And, and I think it's its own niche little thing that that's probably a little bit more popular to your general person because it's like, Oh dude, look at that highlight. Look at that highlight. I feel like it's better for fucking TikToks and reels than, <laughs> than MMA. No, no, I'm serious. I know. Because I know. Funny. Because there's just, you, you take far more energy for far less time and, and you throw it, throw it in two minutes it's like 
people's attention spans aren't going to pay attention to who's who in the storylines behind. It's like, you just have two guys fucking go at it. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, Eddie Alvarez versus Chad Mendes. Eddie swelled swelled up. He swelled up like crazy. How about Luke uh, Luke Rockle getting his teeth punched in by fucking uh, Platinum Mike Perry? No, I just think it's his own niche sport that's just beginning. And I think that people are going to find, like, the little tricks like like you know how mma like people have certain skill sets right i I feel like bare knuckle boxing is going to develop its own skill set if that makes sense where it's not going to quite work for mma it's not going to quite work for boxing but it's just going to be more dirty boxing bare knuckle style yeah yeah one thing i do appreciate is i i like clinch so that's Mm -hmm. why that's why in combat sports like kickboxing don't really rate it. Muay Thai that has clinch. I'm like, dude, that's that's where the fighting's done. If yeah. you get into a street fight, you're grabbing hold of someone. You're in a clinch situation. Um, I like MMA clinch, and I like the fact that bare knuckles incorporated such a heavy clinch game, which which causes people to do a dirty, dirty, dirty boxing type style punch to the body, go to the body, you know, push them off. It's all a strategic type um, mm-hmm. game in that clinch. That's why I appreciate uh, bare knuckle, even though it might be so violent. I appreciate how skillful you have to be to do that. Here's the thing, like, look at boxing, right? Look at fucking Floyd Mayweather versus John Gotti third. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. There was a fucking brawl because John Gotti was clinching Floyd. That's not allowed in boxing. But bare knuckle boxing all fucking day, you got those little shots, and it's so easy to get cut, especially with your knuckles exposed. That bloods everywhere, dude. It's fucking chaos, and I love it. Yeah, it's chaos, uh, and I love it. With, with that fight, with that fight, uh, in boxing, I I can't believe how much an inactive clinch occurs in boxing, wherein they're holding each other, but they're not striking. That pisses me off. I'm sorry. That really pisses it's me stung. off. Yeah, oh. I don't like stalling at all. That's why That's why BKFC has got such a good thing going for it. So, Platinum Mike Perry, he's amazing. I spoke about Benson. Truly mm-hmm. my favorite fighter is Charles Oliveira. I want to ask you what your favorite fighter is. That's changed so many times over the course of going from fan to amateur, from amateur to Amy champ, from pro debut to pro to pro champ to UFC that that's changed so many times you know um the higher in skill level I get the less I'm like oh my god it's it's that guy you know uh when I first started out Donald Cerrone was a motherfucker uh Uriah Faber was a motherfucker um I used to love Brock Lesnar you know like there's so many and, and Brock Lesnar's Oh, still a world champ, but he was kind of a gimmick too. So, like, like the, it's transitioned so many times where I want to say, like, my first favorite fighter was Uriah Faber. And then, then, then I discovered Donald Cerrone, and I'm like, holy fuck. Donald Cerrone in his prime was such a motherfucker. Such a motherfucker. Dude, he's a motherfucker. You know? Yeah. Um, a, as I, I've gotten older, like, I, I'm watching guys like, Conor McGregor do his thing, and I think the rise of Conor, like, you're not going to get a better rise of Conor. Uh, I, I appreciate the Max Holloways and the Volks and, and, uh, and the Puris and the Gaethys and, and all these guys, but, like, now I'm also at the point, too, where it's like, 
I can't tell you how many of these guys I ran into at the PI or during fight week. Like I met Charles Oliveira. That's your boy, right? Like that's your yeah, favorite fighter. Jesus. I met him. He was in Prado. What'd you say to huh? him? Nothing. He spoke Portuguese. I didn't. I was just like, <laughs> "Hey, what's up, champ?" You know, like, <laughs> like guys like Dominic Cruz and Bisping. They interviewed me for my fight with Jack. You know, they did the commentary. So it's one of those things too. It's like the further I get in my career, the more I I feel like. I belong to be surrounded by the some of the greats, you know? That just means that I'm doing the, the right thing to to get in these circles around some people that were former world champions, you know? I've trained with multiple world champions. So it, it's it, it's one of those things. I've trained with current world champions. So it's one of those things where it's like they're just people. And, and people forget that. People put them on a pedestal. The amount of people shit-talking uh online's crazy like i remember in australia this is a term i had no idea what it was i was reading some of my dms and some dude called me a shirt lifter i'm like i don't even know what that means dude i'm sure but i get yeah yeah like i'm like i don't even know what that means mate uh, mate i'm australian i don't know what the fuck that is oh it just means you're gay uh so so like I, I had to ask people, I'm like, I don't, what the fuck is this slang? I have no idea. So it, it was just like one of those things where it's like, the, the fans are the worst ever. I love it, but it's the worst thing ever. But like, I think it's fucking hilarious. But uh, but it's definitely cool to, to see people that you used to look up to. Like, I remember I was cutting weight for my UFC debut against Sadiq. I took that fight super short notice and I was killing myself to make weight. And uh, I was, uh, it, it was kind of like one of these situations where it was like, hey, you either take this fight, you'll never fight in the UFC. I'm like, all right, I'm taking this fight. I was coming off an injury. Uh, I was healthy, but I just took a month off. I was just got back in the gym training and they offered me the fight and I couldn't say no. I cut 39 pounds in two fucking weeks and, and was killing myself to make weight. I passed out in the sauna. Um... Not the sauna, the the tub. I, I like doing my cuts in the cut, tub. I passed out at the PI. Like, I just, like, fell asleep in the tub. I, I, before I fell asleep, I'm like, holy shit, that's your eye favor. I fell asleep. I, I wake up. I'm like, holy shit, that's your eye favor. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, um, I'm like, it, it, it's interesting to think about, you know? Yeah. Because they're um, just people, too. That, that, uh, that tub that you're talking about. Uh, I just want to bring up Bilal Muhammad. Remember yeah. the name. Now he um he said that he does the the tub, and he said mm-hmm. that one time he stayed in there too long, and then he cut to one sixty five. Even though he's a one seventy, and Jeez. he's a big dude, but he cut to one sixty five, and he said, you know what I mean? Like maybe if I drop a little bit more, maybe I could go to go to lightweight. So how effective is the tub? Um, I like it the best. So. I've also found it to be extremely efficient. So when I fought Jack, I had probably the, I was probably the most physically prepared I was. Granted, my life was going crazy, but physically I was, I was, I was in fucking shape for that fight. Um, weight came off just like that. It took me about two 40 minute tub sessions and two 15 minute. I cut the weight I needed to cut. I cut about 12. 12-ish pounds. I woke up at like 157 and change. So I, I lost 157 and change to 146, 11-12-ish pounds in two hours total. I did one tub session the night before. I finished up uh, 
the next morning, hopped on the scale, and it was easy. A random question, but yeah. what's your favorite movie? Ooh, ooh, um, movie, huh? You got Father. I know it's I know it's dead, but I I say I say Godfather because I remember the first time watching Godfather. I the first one, not the second one. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe the the like the fucking cinematography. I was like. This movie, I was like, as I was watching, I was like, this is probably the best movie I've ever watched. Okay, I respect that. I'll be honest, I haven't seen the full Godfather. I I, I should probably watch it. People are probably going to, like, lose their shit when they hear that. But um, I'm a huge nerd, so Back to the Future was one of my childhood favorites. <laughs> that was, That's... like, probably my childhood favorite, Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Back to the Future. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. You've got a uh, what is that? A panther in the background. What's your favorite animal? Um, ah, uh, yeah, I actually bought that piece of art from Craig Tracy in New Orleans. There's a person in that. Can you see it? There's a human in that. The guy. So what this artist did is uh, Craig Tracy. Look him up on Instagram. He's actually really, really fucking awesome. I sort of see it. I don't. I don't fully see it, but I. I sort of get it. I'll, I'll send you his Instagram after after this podcast is done, and um, you'll be able to see his work. Um, obviously, it's a little bit far away. I don't want to fuck with the camera right now. Yeah. But um, I randomly went into this art shop in New Orleans uh, in like 2018, and this is right after I had a fight and I had a couple bucks. That 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 was like the first piece of real art I bought. It cost yeah, no, me like that's... almost two fucking grand, but the thing's fucking yeah. dope. Yeah, so so about that, what's what's your favorite animal? Animal. Um I love dogs. I used to breed snake. I, I really love uh reptiles. Wait, um, hang on, hang on, don't move on, don't move on. Did you just say you used to breed snake? What's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with me? Um I I was fascinated by genetics, right? And snakes, um you could tell a lot of the time, so there's a few different types of genetics, right? You got your your dominant genes, you got your co-dominant genes, you got your recessive genes, and they all work differently. And if you're not educated in these terms, you got your dominant genes are, it's like a 50-50 shot, right? That an uh, animal, human, whatever, you know, carries a dominant gene. So it's like, let's say I carry a dominant gene and my partner uh, doesn't carry that gene. My offspring is a 50-50 shot. It'll either demonstrate that trait or it won't. If they demonstrate the trait, it means they carry the gene. If they don't, they don't. The offspring is going to carry the gene. So I got fascinated with genetics, advanced genetics. And like this was the simplest way to learn about genetics. And, And once you realize like all life works the same. So obviously humans are super complex, but... When dealing with reptiles, it was pretty simple because it's like, all right, I have this animal in this specific gene's uh, pinstripe, right? And I have a normal here. It, it lays 10 eggs. I can see that ha- statistically, like, there's 50% chance that there's going to be pinstripes and then there's 50% chance it's going to be normals. Now, when you're playing with multiple genes, there's some pretty fucking cool things you could do with colors and patterns. And through odds and probability, you can predict what chances are that you hit that in the offspring. I see. That's that's fucking out of control. When you went to Australia and Perth, did you see any snakes? Did you go to any of those uh wildlife uh like I went to the zoo. 
I didn't see yeah. one fucking snake on my oh, own, but I did oh, go to the zoo. I saw, I saw a bunch of uh, kangaroos. I saw a bunch of like koalas, like an emu, a bunch of the reptiles, crocodiles, that sort of shit. I ate kangaroo. It was delicious. Um, yeah. Was that, I, I trip? was that a trip seeing like a kangaroo and like a wombat? Were you like, whoa, that that doesn't exist where I'm from? Um, um, it it was weird. So my mom has a family friend out there. And we went to dinner. We we like grabbed an ooh after the fight. We went to dinner at their house, and um, it was weird seeing the kangaroos in like a field. They're the smaller kangaroos. I think Joey. you have a, a certain what was that? The the joeys. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, that that that's what you guys call them. They're like, oh, those are just joeys. Okay. Um, it it was weird seeing those, but honestly, they just reminded me of fucking deer. Like, I don't think you guys have deer out in Australia. But that's we have North deer America. here. Yeah, it's North yeah. America. Yeah, so um, they honestly like looked and reminded me of deers just that stood up. And way more jacked. Oh, dude, th- they will fuck you up. I'm not going to lie. Oh, dude, I like obviously like it's a wild fucking animal. You don't want to fuck with those things. Like you yeah. leave nature the fuck alone. Yeah, let me, let, me, let me tell you about that. So we were talking about fucking clinch for like 20 minutes. Um, kangaroos have the best clinch game ever. They will grab you in a Muay Thai clinch and they will step on their tail and double you in the stomach. Have you seen that? They kill people. I I believe I have. I I feel like cartoons do a really good job of demonstrating what they fucking do. I haven't seen it in person, but uh, I've definitely seen a few kangaroo videos of kangaroos mainly fighting with each other, but every once in a while, like, a kangaroo will hit a person, the person will hit it back like an asshole, you know? So Yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on from that. I want to ask you, I believe you have a draw in your amateur MMA record, and it's mm-hmm. again the wonderful Chris Moutinho. And I want to ask you, do you have does he have the best one of the best chins in all of MMA? Oh man, that fight was so much fun. Um that's dating back. Yeah, he, he's he's just a tough fucking guy. Um, he's just fucking tough, man. I think I was a little yeah, bit bigger. You can't, you, can't, you can't put him down. It's ridiculous. You know, that fight was crazy. It was, uh, so I was the 155 champ as, uh, for cage Titans. He's the 125, 135 and 145 champ. And I moved down to 45. The first time ever I moved down to 45, I didn't quite know how to cut weight, didn't know how to diet, but I made 145 he made 145. He was a little bit smaller. And I remember the first thing in that fight, like, I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to fuck this dude up. And he fucking cracked me and dropped me. I'm like, first punch drops me. And, and like, the whole fight uh, was just a back and forth war. I think I almost TKO'd him. I believe in the fourth round, uh, I had him, like, pinned up against the cage. And I, I was just hitting him. And then in the fifth round, um, I went for a gator roll. And uh, he just ended up sprawling and getting on top and staying on top for the whole round. But that was an absolute back and forth war. And like w- me and him are super cool nowadays. Like I, I run into him here and there at different gyms uh, across New England when I'm home. And uh, he's just super cool. Is that is that fight? Is that fight? That's uh, if it was a five round fight. Is that fight on YouTube? Where can I watch that? Uh, so this is back in the day. Kate Biden's um, no. Yeah, it so was Cage Titans. It's not on YouTube, and the reason being is 
they switched over. So one guy used to run their media and do all the recordings. Uh, he wanted people to pay for the fight. And I don't think he wanted to put them on YouTube. So it's in this guy's personal collection. Oh. Right? And I don't think he'll ever upload it or anything like that. I know Cage Titans doesn't have access to it. I think Chris might have a copy of it, but he sent me a link to rewatch it like years ago. I'm like, yo, send me that because he posted something about it, but it was for his eyes only. So I, I, it has something to do with this fucking guy and in, in wanting people to, to buy his copy. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. So we were talking about Yayi and Volk. That fight's coming up. I want to ask you how that fight goes. I was thinking to myself, Volk, Edges a decision, most likely uh, seven out of the ten times they fight, let's say, right? But mm -hmm. or, or, I, don't, I don't think he puts Yayi away because Yayi is tough as fuck. So, but I do see those two or three times where Yayi wins, I do see a vicious head kick round two or three, and he, and he flatlines Volk due to the fact that Volk is susceptible to head kicks because um, Islam caught him with a flush head kick, and Islam's not a good kicker, and Max Holloway caught him with a head kick, and Max is a good kicker, and dropped Volk in the second fight. Look, I think I think uh, Volk wins. Same. I, like you said, 7 out of 10 times. That doesn't mean Yair doesn't have a fucking chance. Like, dude, this is going to be fucking crazy. I think Yair is going to pull out every fucking flashy, unorthodox thing. Throw the kitchen sink at Volk. I just think Volk's so durable. He can absorb everything. And he's so mentally tough. He's going to will his way through whatever Yair throws at him. Um, I don't see it being a head kick. Uh, I see it being a weird fucking, like punch kick or, or something like something tricky it, it's gonna be some sort of trickery if Volk gets caught i say i don't i don't see yair submitting him like you submitted josh emmett um i didn't even see him submitting josh emmett when they fought that was a crazy fight um yeah that was, that, that, was, that was an insane finish i, be, I believe it was I'll, a get triangle. I'll get that up let me see it was a triangle yeah. I think I think Yair. I think that might have been Yair's only submission win. Let me see. No, sir. No, sir. Am I dumb? God, Look, he's so good at knocking people the fuck out. He's got like... four. He's got four submissions. Yeah, he's got four submissions. But I I couldn't believe when I saw the triangle. I was like, yeah, Josh gets out of this, and then he starts tapping. I go, what? Yeah, dude, that that was a crazy fight on its own. And uh, I'm a big fan of Josh Emmett. Like, I, I like watching Josh Emmett fight. Like, he, Josh Emmett's just one of these fucking bruisers that's going to come at you. And he's going to throw this punch and you know it's coming at you. And you could block or not block. It's going to hurt the same. He's just got so much fucking, excuse me, power. It's fucking insane. He's he's a he's a nice dude. He's actually a good guy. Um, oh, he's wicked nice. I met him in uh, in Perth. So, with that, just a fun fact about that fight with Yair and, uh, and Josh, Yair made a statement. He said that in the first round, when Josh hit him with that punch, if you rewatch it, uh, he hits him with a with a, like a right overhand and that he hits everyone with and hits Yair kind of a little bit wrong. Yair moved a little bit weirdly. And Yair said that he couldn't really remember the rest of the fight and that he was on autopilot mm -hmm. after that punch. Yeah. 
I'm not surprised. Josh, Josh Emmett. Emmett's a motherfucker. Josh Emmett flatlined Johnson, flatlined Lamas, and and when he when he hit Yair, when Yair to- when Yair said that he went on autopilot, I was just thinking to myself, like I can't believe how good Yair is that mm-hmm. that he was able to recover from something like that. So what do you think how about good that? Good or lucky? Or Ooh. both. Yeah, well he's got but that like, chin. Like, dude, this game is so like it, that punch could have been one centimeter thrown in a different direction or a split second faster or a split second slow. Like, like I'm talking a fraction of a second and it could have changed everything. Yeah. Instead of, instead of hitting the top of his head, it could have just yeah. accidentally hit and his jaw. Look, so much of this sport is skill, hard work and dedication. People sleep on the luck factor. I, sorry to interrupt. I actually asked Adam Fugit about that. I said, I asked him um, what he believed about luck, and he, being an unbiased guy, he's he's a really nice dude as well. He said he said that he could say that some of his knockouts and some of his finishes, he's not gonna. He 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 said to me, um, I'm not gonna like sugarcoat anything. You could think that some of my finishes have been in that luck factor, wherein mm-hmm. he's trained to show throw the strike, he's trained to execute it. But in the fight, the other person kind of leaned into it wrong and flatlined them, you know? Yeah. A perfect example of this, right? Uh, I fought Bryce Picard for the Cage Titans 145 title. And he threw a punch that fucking rocked me. This is the first time ever I've been rocked in a fight. In competition. I've been rocked in training, but, like, in competition, I got Bambi legs. Like, my, I, it was not pretty. I recovered. That First of all, that punch could have knocked me the fuck out. I ended up uh, TKOing... Bryce because he came in to finish me and I just threw like a sidestep fucking shovel uppercut and clipped him on the gym and rocked him and then like threw another punch to his chest which just kind of like pushed him backwards you could say that's lucky too because maybe if I didn't land that one shot off balance and fucking clip him he would have fucked me up you know I just happened to fucking drop him and I got the fuck on top is like boom go you know so that to me, that that was extremely lucky. So you're at Citadel MMA. Can you tell us uh, what are the guys like there? How do you feel about that gym and uh, how have they helped you in your career? So Citadel has been my base. Um, I've trained at every gym in New England, and th- that's where I developed my base. My head coach, Eric Grossman, is unbelievable. Um, it's a much smaller gym. There aren't a ton of pros in there. Uh, so I've run into this issue that is is unfortunate, but it's time to growth for growth, right? Like I'm in a position right now where my head coach is phenomenal. I just don't have the bodies and the talent in my size range to get me ready for the next level, right? So I was out training in the Midwest for a while. I was at an awesome gym, uh, but I didn't quite get the attention I needed out there. Um, when I got into the UFC, mid-camp things had to change really quickly. So I ended up moving cross-country, switching coaches, switching gyms back to Citadel, uh, finishing out my camp. Like I said, my coach Eric is is unbelievable. He wants the best for me, and, and I'm very lucky to have him in my career. I'm at a point right now where I need more training partners. I need new perspectives, new coaching. And I actually went out to Vegas. I just got back from Vegas um, a few days ago. I 
Sunday, what what they say, Wednesday. So three days ago, I got back from Vegas. I spent the month out there using the PI before I was cut and training out at Syndicate MMA. And, and they got a room full of fucking killers out there. And John Wood has been super, super awesome in, in, in having eyes on me as far as coaching perspective goes, as far as having bodies. And uh, the way they do things over there, I really like. So I'm potentially going to be moving out of New England to... Uh, maybe Vegas, maybe Florida full time, but uh, right now that that's all in the works. What's something that nobody knows about you? Mm. Oh boy, um, I like dinosaurs. Yeah, I write that. I really like dinosaurs. That's that's great. You're really into animals. I I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so now an MMA question: If you had to pick top three martial arts for MMA usage. What would you go in a tier list from three to one, being one the best, right? What are the three that you need and what um, category would you put them in? Uh, wrestling, number one. Yeah. You need to have that, gr- like, the grind of wrestling as far as the takedown, the pressure, understanding your body weight, uh, controlling someone, that's number one. Two, more tie, more tie, number two, you got to be able to punch, you got to be able to kick. Three, uh, MMA jiu-jitsu for ground and pound. So I know it's it's not quite like like it's gonna be jujitsu with ground and pound. Like that's not a sport. Yeah. But yeah. no, well there's stri- uh, there striking jujitsu, so it does count. Okay, so then I'm gonna go ahead with jujitsu, and that's gonna be number three. So obviously every fight starts standing up. To me, every fight starts striking. Right? If I can control you and take you down, clear path to victory for me. Now, that being said, there's danger factors everywhere, but you got to be able to strike, you got to be able to control people, and you got to be able to submit people. Now, my like I said, my criteria is wrestling, uh, striking, jujitsu, or submissions, or ground and pound. Submissions and ground and pound come last because you could just lay on top of someone and hold them with control, or you can knock someone the fuck out. To me, the wrestling grind, pace, control is number one. You you get into a street fight, let's say, right? Yeah. Someone knows boxing. Someone knows Muay Thai. Who are you betting on? Uh, who are you betting on? If it's like, let's say, a wet surface and they're on like concrete or something, who are you betting on to win that fight? Muay Thai every time. Really, really, because people are saying that. What's the point of having kicks in a street fight if you throw a kick? Let's say, I know the Muay Thai knees and elbows would be so effective. That's what I would go for, but. I'm just worried that if, let's say, I throw a kick, I slip. Okay, that that's if you throw a high kick. There, There's, look at the fucking calf kicks in my last fight. That shit fucked me up, right? Like, those are very low, huh, low effort, high, re- like, yeah, very yeah. high reward, very Depending minimal risk yeah. uh, attacks. Bro, it doesn't take much energy and range to fucking kick someone in the calf or leg, especially a boxer who's never been kicked before. And then it's like, all right, what about knees? It's like, all right, you got to be able to close that distance, like catch a knee to the body or clinch and elbow. I'm taking more time. Yeah, 100. If you could have dinner with a historical figure, who would it be and why? I don't know. If you could acquire one new skill, just randomly, you get a token, yeah. you get any new skill. Could be juggling, could be you become a professional video game player. You could grow five inches, you could fly. What would you pick? 
oh, I'm taking height. I'm taking height. Like, before you even said grow, I'm like, I'm getting taller. But I'm getting taller. What division are you going to? Uh, and preferably, I would say middleweight. Go to middleweight. But what division would you go to? Uh, if I could keep my frame and athleticism, I'm go to heavyweight. Really? You put me you at 6'5"? Yeah, cold? because – yeah, and, and here's the reason why. Like, all right, I walk around at 170 at 5'6", okay? You put me to 6'5", or 6'6", six, six, you put a foot on me, I'm gaining fucking – 60 pounds, 70 pounds. All right. So I just went from 170 to 40 with the frame of 6'5. Like, dude, I don't want to fight these 205ers that fucking are super athletic. I'll fight these fat ass heavyweights and be way more athletic than them. Come on. Way yeah. more skilled and athletic. <laughs> Question about the divisions. So I've got a real issue with middleweight. I'm sorry to say, if I listen, I don't talk shit about any fighter, but I do have to say, middleweight is a serious issue in the UFC and, and around MMA in general. I don't know what it is about the weight. Light heavyweights have wrestling. You've got Ankalive, you've got Jan Blahovic, you've got Rakic, you've got, you got well-based, uh, full-encompassing, all um, mixed martial art fighters. You go to middleweight, Paulo Costa doesn't have any wrestling. Israel Adesanya has not submitted anyone in his whole career or, or wrestled at all. Um, he can be taken down. You go to you go to you go to somebody like you go to somebody like Hamza Chimaev, he's moving up in weight. Jan Blahovic is trying to move down from light heavyweight to middleweight. The the evidence is there to say that people are going to middleweight because it's the inferior division in 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 the UFC and the MMA. What do you think about that? We'll we'll find out with Bo Nickel, won't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanna see I wanna see how he does. But dude, I don't think he has striking, man. I don't think his striking's there. Look, I, I seen him fight live at uh, his second contender series shot, right? So before he got signed to the UFC, he fought in the contender series, starched the dude. His second fight, he was just so far away that he was throwing, like, feints and not doing anything. The one punch he fucking threw, he cracked the motherfucker, dropped him, did a flip right into a submission. I'm like, God damn. Um... Sorry, is this is this on Dana White contender series or the yeah, yeah. the I've, no, this seen, is... I've seen that punch. How do you feel? I'm sorry to rebut you, but how do you feel that that would have just been threat of takedown? What the, the threat strike. of takedown makes yeah. your striking better? Yeah, if you're worried about the takedown, you're gonna land more strikes. You don't have to be a great striker to strike with great strikers. Look, I I train with plenty of people that are better pure strikers than me. The reason why I'm able to compete and maybe get the best of them is because they're scared I'm going to fucking touch their leg or try and shoot and take them down. I see. MMA striking is its own fucking thing. Bo Nickel just has that fucking grappling. And if you're so scared of the fucking takedown, it's really easy to get clipped with an overhand and then get fucking taken down anyways. That's that's interesting. I think, um, what do you think about Hamza Chamayev versus Bo Nickel? What do you think about that fight? I think Bo Nickel's too big. Who's uh who's got the better wrestling? Bo Nickel. Who's got the better MMA grappling game in general? Hamza. Yeah, I would say Hamza because what if they get into a submission battle? Hamza. Exactly. Yeah, so so that's but a really Bo Nickel, but I think Bo Nickel is the future. I really do think he's the future. Really? I just think he's a hype train compared to like someone okay. like 
Ikram Aliskarov, who got finished by Hamza Chimaev. That's a combat sambo master who was trained by Khabib's dad, Abdulmanap Namagomedov, and Islam Makachev. That's his best friend, Ikram Aliskarov. He's fighting Paolo Costa. Dude, if Ikram picks up Paolo, slams him on his head, then everyone goes, all right, Ikram for champion. Forget about Bo Nickel. Trust me. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna rebuttal this and argue this. Bo Nickel's what? Got three, maybe four MMA fights? Sure. Okay. He just started doing MMA. He's at ATT. If he takes his work ethic from wrestling and is able to apply the next two years while getting built up to just striking, you don't think he's going to be a world champion? Well, how old dude, is he? So, dude, he's fucking... Just got out of college. Okay, well, that does raise a good point, but I do have to say that whilst he's trying to acclimate to striking in general and learn all that stuff, you've got you've got Hamzat who actually has deceivingly good boxing, and you got Ikram. Yeah, but we're talking frames here. We're, we're, we we got to factor in the frames here. Bo Nickel is fucking huge. Hamzat is not nearly as big as Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel. Could never make 170 if he fucking tried. Hamzad has made 170. But you do have to say someone like Darren Till back in the day. He was a he was 205 cutting down to 170. That was um what is that? 35 pounds. That okay, is and Bo of- Nichols probably fucking 220. Okay. Oh well, that's ridiculous. he's huge. Okay. I, I seen Bo Nickel live. There is no fucking way that guy's making 170. There is uh, like. If you tell me that guy's making 170, I'm saying you're a fucking liar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there, he's so big. I would love to. I would love to see. I would love to see that um, play out in action because he's going up against someone soon on the card. Um, yeah, he's I, fighting uh, Treshawn Gore, right? Yeah, that guy's from Ultimate Fighter, isn't he? I didn't yep, watch that yep. season. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. decent. He's decent. He, so we'll see. he had a huge rear naked or bulldog choke against uh, Josh Fremd. It was crazy because he slammed his head back too. He he went out out, and then Josh Friend just won after that. He like he he got a fight uh, after that, and he won. But uh, Treshawn Gore, that, that's gonna be a t- you're taking two guys with the least amount of experience in the middleweight division. You're putting them against each other, and I I dude, I think Bo Nickel's the truth. I've got a question for you. So, so I want to just talk about Hamzat. So he's he just fought Gilbert Burns, right? And this is good yeah. Gilbert Burns. Balam Muhammad that just fought Gilbert Burns. Gilbert tore his shoulder, uh, pec, bicep, and his neck, and he tore like everything. So don't worry about that fight. When Hamzat fought him, Gilbert, Gilbert and him had a ridiculously close fight, and that was rushing Hamzat in his in his fifth fight in the UFC or some shit. Yeah, fifth mm-hmm. fight. He 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 fought a guy that fought for the belt in his fifth fight. And then he fought Kevin Holland, who we've realized, Kevin Holland, I know that this is a big call, but Kevin Holland has all the tools to be a future champion. And I'm not joking about this either, due to the fact that he's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got insane striking. He's tough as fuck. He's quick. He's athletic. Dude, Hamza ran through him inside one round, maybe three minutes. You're telling me if Bo Nickel got in there with Kevin, I say Kevin can sweep him, get him back to the feet, and it's a difficult match. It maybe maybe Bo would finish him. What? What? You you think that he? Yo, I love Kevin Holland him. too. Like, don't make me do this, to Kevin Holland. I met Kevin Holland in the good, I'm like, dude, I love watching you fight. He's like, oh, thanks, man. But, dude, I think Bo Nickel's the truth. I think he's the future.
So, so what? You're you're just gonna not say that that Hamza putting Kevin Holland through the ringer and Kevin Holland is a amazing fighter. You're saying that Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel does the same or faster? What are you saying? I'm saying the hype is real. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I believe the hype of Bo Nickel. Okay, you we'll... you can hate it, you can hate it, but. Let's see in a fucking year or two. Let's see in two years from now. I'm gonna pull up this and tag you in this and be like, "I told you." What we'll do, what we'll do is we'll redo, we'll do more episodes, you and me okay. on the podcast, and we'll talk about this every single fight Bo has, every single fight Hamzat has, and we will see who's correct at the end of the day. Uh, I do think Hamzat will be champion at some point. Um. I don't see why they don't put him against Leon Edwards right now. I, I guess there's Bilal Muhammad um, standing in the way of that, but he beat Gilbert Burns pretty handedly. Uh, it was a close fight, but like he showed he was human in that fight. Um, because before that, he he was not human. Um, I don't know. I, I see him being a 170 champ. I do not see him being a 85 champ. I think he's taking up the lower talent, talent pool at 85, and I think his wrestling is so much better than, the, like you said, the majority of the 85ers in the UFC uh, where he can get away with it. But I don't think he's a true 85er. I think he's a 70er. I think he will beat Leon Edwards if they do fight. Um, I think he's probably your next champ unless they – Fucking have him fight Kamaru, which is he could still beat. I see him having a better fight with uh, Leon than I see with Kamaru, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Can, can I just bring up the fact that when Hamzat was at middleweight, he fought Gerald Millichardt, who trains at Kill Cliff, and after he knocked him out in twenty seconds, if you re- if you recall, with one punch, yeah, it's quick. Gerald went on to beat Mahmoud Marudov, went on to beat Bruno Silva, and, and went on on a three-fight win streak, proving that him, that, that Gerald, is actually a very good fighter at middleweight. Oh, so what do you think about, what do you think about, what do you think, think about Hamzat knocking him out like that? I think Hamzat's fucking good. I think he's your next yeah. champion. Okay. I, I also think Gerald Mearshark's good. I don't think Gerald Mearshark's going to be a champion. True, true, true. Um... Randomly, what's your favorite music genre? Genre, uh, I love old school rap. I love old school rap beats. I love uh, new rap isn't for me. Um, I love techno, but old school rap, house, techno, that sort cool. of shit. Cool. Good vibes. I like high energy and good vibes. Good, good. So you like Back to the Future. Let's say you get that car. You go back in time to see my guy done again in the in the past what are you telling yourself your past self what are you telling yourself how far are you going back and what are you telling yourself i i go i go back to right before i went to college and i would tell them i would tell me that um not that college is a waste of time but don't wait to start pursuing your dream so I would pretty much tell me to go all in sooner, right? So I chose to go all in at 23. I ended up dropping out of college. I was actually about to graduate, and I'm like, 
I liked partying too much. I liked girls too much. I liked all the bullshit of college too much. To, I didn't give a shit about it. I was just wasting money at that point in my life. I was working some bullshit job. And I'm like, if I just went all in at 18 and got 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, all in, like, like MMA was my main focus rather than like bullshitting my way through school, kind of playing college football, kind of fucking doing drugs, partying all the fucking time. Like I, I would have just told myself like, fuck everything else, go all in sooner. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Don, for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug before we finish? Nah, thank you so much for having me on. Last thing I expected was to go on for a fucking hour and a half. Everybody at home, follow Don Shanus on Instagram, link in the description, and subscribe to Any Combat on YouTube. Bye, guys.